Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we stand on this proclamation in faith, knowing that you honor your word. Knowing that you honor your word. Knowing that you honor your word. Hallelujah. This morning, I will be touching on uh, just a small portion of the life of Job. Uh, If you have been in church at at any point in your life, you have heard either the story of Job or the story of Jonah and the big fish. You've heard of Jesus dying on the cross. You've heard of David and Goliath. These are stable, nutrient-filled stories in the Bible that most children at least of my generation, knew and were taught. And uh, even though it may seem that Job's story is exhausted and there's nothing else to get out of it, I believe that God has given me something for you, particularly in the beginning of Job's life. Here are some facts about the story of Job. We know that Uh, at a certain point for no uh, explainable reason, at least to Job, that he went from everything to nothing. He was a rich man. He was a family man filled with uh, many children, had lovely fellowship with his family every day of the week. Uh, It states that his riches were well noted both historically and in scripture. We understand that all of this was taken from him, but not only taken from him, uh, more was added. His body began to break down and his friends began to leave him, question his faith in God. He even got to the point where he cursed the day he himself was born. That his anguish and pain, his turmoil was so intense that he could never, ever think of cursing God. But he he wished that he wasn't alive. And yet, there are some things about the life of Job that I would like us to dig into and ponder on because his story ends in victory. That somehow, to the naked eye, to the, to the human eye, he made it out of an unexplainable place of pain and loss, and he was able to bounce back. I want to look at the the foundation that created the man that we see in this story that came out victorious. If you would look with me, the book of Job, chapter 1. I will read from verses 1 through five. There was a man, reading from the New King James Version, in the land of us that, whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yokes of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all people of the East. And his sons would go and feast 
in their houses and each on his appointed day would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was when the day of feasting had run their course, the Job would send and sanctify them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. Regularly. The name Job, <clears throat> translated from the Hebrew, means a combination of words cruelly or hostilely treated, persecuted, hated. That name Job that this man was given suited everything that he went through. And at the beginning of this book, named after him in the Old Testament, there is laid out what seems to be a short list of, of character traits that sets the foundation for how he lived his life and how God saw him. And that is why I want us to dig into this portion in the beginning of Job's life. I believe he was able to keep standing after enduring hardships, devastating losses, and mortal tragedy only because these attributes were in him, a part of him not just on him, like a thick sock in cold weather, or an umbrella that we pick up when the rain begins to come down. These traits were in him. He did not pick them up and put them down. There's something to be said about walking in truth and transparency and not flip-flopping or changing though your stand and your principle and and your 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 commitment to right and your stand against wrong that these things are not seasonal and if God will shine in your life the principles that we will dig into this morning have to be in you and not just on you when you feel like. Oh, no, 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 no. There, this, 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 this was who he was when no one was looking. <laughs> it's a book that I read before that says, who are you when no one is looking? God counted it as eligibility for great reward when he looked at Job's life. When his life was turned upside down by no fault of his own, this is the proclamation that Job ended at. You can find it in Job Chapter 1, verses 20 through 22. It says, Then Job arose after he had lost everything in the span of days, tore his robe and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. I want you to put him little accent there. He worshipped after everything had gone wrong for no reason of his own. The Bible said 
that he, in grief, in pain, in turmoil, falls to the ground, kneels before God and worships. Verse 21 says, and he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrongdoing. This sounds really, really good. And we can give Job an attaboy, a pat on the back for being a stalwart, a stalwart of the, of the faith, a giant of Christian ethic, a powerhouse of belief. But all of these things came out of a character trait, a set of things that were in Job before trouble came. There's been a lot of folks, especially now that most everyone that I meet is wearing their mask outside. I don't have to look at the fake smiles anymore. I don't have to see the funny grins that masks the pain and the anxiety and the fear in people that I meet. I can clearly see right into their souls almost when I look at their eyes. They're shopping, they're looking. I went to uh, Sam's the other day and was there for two hours and I was number, probably number 30 to get into the door. By the time opening got around the line for a few items that, that uh, we, we, we deem to be extremely valuable in this season, like TP and sanitizer and Lysol, uh, which was in short supply. The line was, was uh, two, almost 300 strong. And as I looked around me in the line, I was relaxed. I was worshiping God that early in the morning, but as I looked around me, I could see the fidgeting of those. As the line went further back, I left my spot, went to the car to get something, and as I passed those that were at number 100 or 120, you see their eyes, eyes of desperation, saying, Will I ever get what I'm looking for? Can I get some TP? Will I be able to pick up some sanitizer? Oh my goodness. And their eyes said, hopelessness. The coronavirus has come like an ugly monster. A messenger bearing bad news like a magnifying mirror showing many of us the awful cracks and wrinkles of how fearful and hopeless it can be when all we've got to lean on is human strength and ability. But today, as I speak to you in very measured methodic words. I am praying that as we examine the building blocks of Job's life, that you will conclude that hope and joy is not in a place or a thing. It's not in money or status. It's not in a job or the family you were born into. Hope and joy 
is a person. And his name is El Elyon. God most high. And access to him comes through his only son, Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. Let me say this because someone needs to hear this again. My prayer this morning as we examine these building blocks of Job's life is that you will conclude that hope and joy does not come in a place or from a place. It does not come from things. It does not come from money. It does not come from status. It does not come from family background. It does not come from job title. Hope and joy comes only through an encounter with the person of El Elyon, God Most High. And the only way to have that encounter is through his son, Jesus Christ, his only son. Here's what John, 1 John 4, 12 through 15 says, and you just have to follow me. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify, this is the key, that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. So I'm not just speaking superfluously. I'm not just sharing off the top of my head. I am telling you, this is the word of God. That when hopelessness and lack of joy and the disappearance of peace is happening, if, Second Chronicles 7, 14 says, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I come down. Can I say that one of the most devastating things happening in the religious world is that there are people, not so much the unsaved, not so much the ones who are cold and know they're cold. They have never accepted Jesus as personal savior. But those who all along until this point were supposed to have known God personally. They've said they know God. They have said they were Christians. That they believed in the birth of Jesus Christ. That he lived and died and rose again for them. But they have never lived a consecrated life. And so when trouble comes, like Job, the essence of their character has shown true. And all you see is hopelessness, unlike Job. There are three points that I want us to go over that we see in the beginning of Job that are very simple but they are essential. If you are listening to me today, there is no trick. There is no, there's no, no, no fancy mancy thing that you have to do to get connected to the power source of God in your life. Number one, it says, Job, as a man, was blameless and upright. Blameless and upright. I'm going to exegete a little bit. 
so that we can understand that, that, that God is just asking you for some simple stuff and it doesn't matter how much you try, you and I will never be able to repay what he's already done for us. My mom used to say, and I've heard a lot of the mothers in the churches I grew up say this many times while they testified. If God didn't do another thing for me today, he's done enough. And in my youth, I would listen to that and I would say to myself, I don't quite understand what you mean. Because I, 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 I think God needs to do a lot more for me. I'm still young. I've got my life ahead of me. And I believe he needs to do more. I had no sense of thought that the only reason I could stand there and say God needs to give me more time was because he allowed me to live to that point. <laughs> that, that, that on numerous occasions, unbeknownst to me, that he put a hedge around me that allowed me to be able to say that. Today, I want to thank God. Maybe this is a point at which I can tell you that our message today, after just pondering and digging and saying, Lord, what, what, what should be the title of what I'm sharing with your people? God said, I will see victory because God's got me. If you are sitting in your living room, you're watching us right now on live stream. You're going through stuff. Maybe corona connected. It may be some other sickness disease. It may be a financial stress. It may be a number of other things. It does not have to be just the virus. It may be the fact that you thought based on promises made that your job would always be there. And all of a sudden, that idol has been taken away and you were jobless and you are frantic. Can I tell you this morning that there is hope? There is hope. Your ship does not have to go down. You don't have to drown. You don't have to, ha you don't have, to have emotional suicide. You do not have to go down. You can emerge victorious on the other side of the pandemic. If only you will have hope in God. I will see victory because God's got my back. Because God's got your back. He was blameless and upright. Some translations say he was perfect and upright. He, he was a man of complete integrity. Let's go a little further. He was transparently honest. What you saw is what you got. He, he stood on a very strong moral principles. He stood on strong moral principles. He had a, a straightforward sense from God himself that dictated what was right and what was wrong. It breaks my heart because I have been guilty. This message directly given being spoken to Christians this morning. The unsaved, I'm going to invite you to come in at the end of our message because God loves you and wants to give you hope. But this is, for some reason, going to those of us who are supposed to be already of the faith and have not understood that anything that happens in our world is not because of the sin of the sinner, it is, be, 
It's because of the neglect of the believer. That the wrong of the sinner, the sin of those who are unsaved, does not control God's behavior. What dictates what God will allow to happen or not allow to happen is based on the behavior of us. I know it's hard to accept. But it is quite acceptable that God has allowed what we're going through to go through because we have lost the love, the in love passion that he has been longing to have with us. In that while we were yet sinners, he died. You have to love to give your life. You have to love someone more to take, give their lives, give up your life so that they can live. There's some persons like Mahatma Gandhi historically who was willing to be burned for his people, his freedom. But it doesn't matter what a human being does. No human could have st stood in the place to bring eternal reconciliation. Nobody. I'm slowing it down today because I want you to hear me properly. That Job was called blameless and upright because he was a man of strong integrity. Complete integrity. That he was transparently honest. I'm bothered, Pastor Ron, that I have to stand here and talk to my fellow believers about the fact that we have been missing. We have come short before God when it comes to integrity. That the world has looked at us and has not been able to see transparent honesty. God forgive us. God forgive us. That the world, your neighbors who don't know Christ, your friends and families who have never committed themselves to God, have looked at you and I many times and have seen us straddling the fence between right and wrong. And if we behave that way, how can we be true ambassadors? How can we deliver the unadulterated word of God to those who are in need? Their souls are in jeopardy. Can I ask you out there today to take a moment and repent? Second Chronicles says, God, David said, make me clean, wash me with hyssop. I'm a man of unclean lips, Paul says. That the things that are good, that I want to do, I find myself not doing them. I understand, Paul, I understand, because I've walked that way before. And the only way I found to get over that is to completely and constantly lay myself before God, come to him naked. 
It's an embarrassing thing to come to God sometimes every single day and say, God, I'm bringing my messy nakedness to you and I am being transparently honest. I need you today. If you are going to be one of those that puts your hand up and say, I see a victory. It will be because, like Job, you stand in transparent honesty. That you do not play around with what is right and wrong. That people that know you, know you as an individual that is straight up and down. That you're not on this side sometimes and then on that side other times. You are, this is what God says. Whether it hurts me or helps me, I'm going to do right by the word of God. I know it sounds simple, but the reason we have not made the impact that we need to make is because we have not been able to cry out for God's help in this simple area. These simple areas. Psalms 37, 37 says, I'm reading from the uh, NAS Bible. Mark, this is Psalms 90, 37, 37. Mark the blameless man and behold the upright. For the man of peace will have prosperity. I read this and it immediately my mind, my, my mind said, Father, are you saying that, that, that my, my, my inability sometimes to be transparently honest and to always stand completely open about what is right and what is wrong and never cross the line, one of the reasons why I don't have prosperity in all areas of my life just yet. And he didn't say yes. You know what he said? Check yourself, son. I'm telling you this morning as you are looking at me, check yourself. Check yourself. God isn't here with a big hammer trying to hit you down. He went before the people who were trying to stone that poor woman that was found in adultery and he rode on the ground. He says, any of you who are without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. God is not about pulverizing you. He's about redeeming you and I. He's about bringing us into right standing because the relationship is more important to him than the judgment. Number two, Job was not just blameless and upright. He wasn't just transparently honest and stood on the strong principles of wrong and right, according to the word of God. But in the verses we just read in the beginning, we see that Job was a man that feared God. He reverenced and revered God. I'm trying to find words that continue to break apart these statements that cause us to understand that all you've got to do is cry out to God for his help and everything that is absent, that is missing, that is not present in your life, he will help you with. He feared God. He revered and reverenced God. Let's give some more. He developed a deep respect for God on the inside. Here it is. He developed a deep respect for God on the inside. 
that dictated the results of his outward lifestyle in honor of God. When you see another believer that is not living a life of honor on the outside before God, it is because they have lost deep respect for God on the inside. When I read this, I'm not thinking about you guys. I'm thinking about me. God, where have I lost deep respect for you on the inside? Because my behavior doesn't lie. My actions don't lie. And the truth about my behavior and our behavior many times is that we have not honored God. We wonder about lacking our finances and then we sit with a, an ungodly counselor to tell us what God's word said. You are living too much on borrowed money God wants to make you a lender, not a borrower. You have to live below your means. That's why he said, tithe, give back to me what I gave you. Because if you can do that with discipline, you'll be able to discipline yourself in your spending. Would you just take a moment, if you're out there with me, and speak to God? Lord, I need to be more transparent. I need to define, according to the word of God, what is truly right and wrong. Give me the strength to stand straight. Dear God, help me. To fear you, to show you respect, deep respect from the relationship I have on the inside. You respect God deeply by spending time with him. If God is only called upon, if help me Jesus only comes out of your mouth when trouble strikes you. Then there is lack of respect for God. If you only read the word of God. And look for the promises that you could write on a cue card. And repeat every day when you are facing cancer. Or some other debilitating disease. You and I have lost respect deep on the inside. Because what God is saying is that if you have deep respect for me on the inside, you will honor me on the outside. If you have deep respect for me on the inside, you would honor me on the outside. My dad said to me many times, son, this is what my dad told me. He said, you can fool all the people some of the time. And you can fool some of the people all the time. But you can't fool all the people all the time. And you can't fool God anytime. So you may be one who has the appearance of honoring God. You're a believer, and before COVID-19 got here, everyone knew that you were a good Christian. But trouble come. Trouble is here. And now they're beginning to see. They look in your eyes. 
They stand next to you and they feel the fear and anxiety and stress and worry that you shouldn't have if you were in deep relationship with God. But there is hope. There is hope. There is hope. There's hope. There's hope. I want you to hear this. There's hope. There's hope in releasing everything to God. Coming before him and saying, Lord, I'm a mess. I'm a, I'm a basket case, but I'm coming anyway. I am, I am not worth a penny or a pound, but I'm coming anyway. I know that I may have used most of my life up to do wrong, but I'm coming anyway. Whatever I've got right now, God, I am giving it to you. I'm laying it before you. Use me until you use me up. Psalmist says, create in me a right heart and renew a right spirit, a clean heart. Give me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Return unto me the joy of your salvation, he said. You want joy? You need joy? You want hope? Let God renew a right spirit in you this morning. Let God renew a right spirit within you this morning. Let God renew a right spirit within you this morning. A right spirit in deep relationship with God gets up at any point during the night and worship is coming out. I see victory. Lord, you are all that I I ever need. Lord, I worship you. Lord, I give you glory. Lord, I thank you for life. Lord, you are everything to me. Lord, I put myself before you. Lord, use me up. Lord, I surrender. Lord, make me and mold me. Lord, wash me and clean me. Lord, apply your blood all over me and nothing that I have belongs to me. It all belongs to you. Job was not just blameless and upright. He just, he did not only Fear God, didn't reverence and revere God. <sighs> he shunned evil. Can I say that there are many of us, much as we've heard preaching over and over again, DJ. Don't understand that you can't fear God and not shun evil at the same time. That that we say we fear God, but but we are still walking in paths of unrighteousness. He shunned evil. This phrase means to leave evil undone. Don't participate. Evil can fly around your head, but it does not have to make a nest in your ear. That evil will always be flapping its wings around you and I, but it does not have to become you and I. He said, Job was a man that left evil alone. You know how you leave evil alone? By finding good things to do. You don't say, I'm leaving evil alone and just sit on a log. Because there is a space there that's going to be filled whether you fill it or not. And if you say, I'm not going to do wrong, I'm not going to do, but you are not doing right, wrong is going to come back in its place. To leave evil undone, to withdraw from it, to rebel against evil. We always look at rebellion as the evil, 
But I'm telling you this morning to make a commitment to rebel against evil behavior. Turn off, turn away from evil behavior. Romans 12, 20 and 21 says it really, really cool. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Let me pause there so that can seep into you. This is, a, this is great truth. You thought I was going to come with something that you never heard before? Here it is. Here it is. Here's, here's the great truth about shunning evil. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Here's the key. Do not overcome, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. It's so simple that we find it hard to do. It's so easy that we don't do it. It's so basic that we walk right through it and we want to be filled with the spiritual gift of healing. We want to have ourselves packed with the gift of discernment and casting out of devils. And God says, but, 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 but you're still immature. You haven't got that, 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 that the basics are what will carry you. The great coach Vince Lombardi, the Green Bay Packers, took them to five or six winning Super Bowls. And he had one thing every year. He started his practices with all of the new players and returning players coming. He would hold his football in his hand and he would say, this is a football. You hold it, you pass it, you carry it. That's football? You mean that's it? That's it? Yes. Because if you can't hold the ball properly, you can't run with the ball. If you don't know what a football is, you don't know when you're carrying the ball. If the basics of how to live victoriously aren't followed, there is no need for you to put your hands up and fall on the altar asking for all of these other gifts that people, other people think are great. Do not, over, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. First Peter 3, and I'm ending here, 10 and through 12 says, For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Who are the righteous? The people who seek to do good. Who refrain their tongue from evil. Whose lips don't speak deceit. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Here's the kicker. And his ears are open to their prayers. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. You mean if I do good by God, it opens up his ear? Yep. 
Yep. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. If you're listening to me this morning, I want to invite you to consecrate, reconsecrate. You see the life of Job and you hear about everything that he went through. And you think, oh my gosh, I could never be like Job. I, I could never live like Job. I could never be victorious like Job. And, and the truth is, Job just stuck to some basic God-given principles. He was transparently honest. And he always kept the lines of right and wrong according to God's word in front of him. Could you do that? Not by yourself. We can't do it by ourselves, Miss Angie. Only God could help us. I challenge you to write these things down. And for the next couple of days, go before God and say, Lord, make me transparently honest with myself, with you, and with others. Strengthen me to stand Secure in what is right and what is wrong and not waffle based on who is with me. Help me, Jesus, to revere and reverence you. To respect you deep on the inside so that honor of you will show on the outside. Dear God, Strengthen me and help me to shun, hate, turn away, not participate in things that are evil. But I will have a heart that is open to do the most basic of good things. To pray for someone who you don't know. To help someone with their buggy. To share a roll of toilet paper when you got there first and there were only two packs and you took both of them. Things that the rest of the world is saying, it's just good for you. I don't have to share anything. You should have got here early. But the God in you says, shun evil. Find a way to do what is good. I ask the worship team to come back. We're going to close out. Singing victory. I'm going to see a victory. I normally don't call them back, but you need a breakthrough. You need to sit in that sofa this morning and you need to just cry out to God and say, Lord, I, I'm trusting you for victory. I'm trusting you for victory. I know if I trust you, you'll give it to me. And I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you asking for a victory. I see victory. I see victory. You've got to see it. You've got to know that God wants you to be victorious. If you're unsaved, all you need to do right now, right now in this moment, say after me, dear father, I'm bringing my mess to you. I'm bringing my life before you. And I'm asking you to forgive me. I repent of my sin. I repent of my foolishness. And I now accept your blood of cleansing of my life. Redeem me from the inside. And save my soul from eternal damnation.
In Jesus' name. Amen. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. For the God I serve knows only how to triumph. And my God will never fail. Oh, my God will never fail. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Thank you for tuning in with us this morning. Leave with hope. Leave with joy. Understanding that your victory has already been made. Your victory has already been listed. It is already on the book. Don't you leave without hope. God bless you. We thank you for tuning in 
to times of refreshing at the assembly this Sunday. We hope to see you Bible study on Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. God bless you. On behalf of myself and our staff, we love you and we want you to live life to the fullest in Jesus' name. God bless you.